Ba-da-da-da. Welcome to Fourth Time to Charmer Niche's Need. I'm your producer, Ben, joined alongside my special assistant director today, the Shea Butter himself, our king of catering. It's Monty. Hello, Monty. How are Ooh, you? Hello. I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty How Thanksgiving? well. Uh, it's it's been like a whirlwind of, of a few weeks. The Inchirito is no longer available. Matt had his uh, chili cheese burrito. Uh, so did he, I. He did not review <laughs> it super high. Monty, what would you give a chili cheese burrito out of out of five stars? You know what? It's one of my favorites. I wouldn't say it's awesome, but I would say I would give it the number four out of five. So, like, chili cheese burritos are one of those things where you really got to get it fresh. Yes. If yeah. you get if you get a cold chili cheese burrito, like, you fucked up, son. But, you know, it's the only thing that I get at Taco Bell. Like, that's the most popular go-to that I go to, unless I don't feel like it, which is very rare. So, I have to say, I will eat chili burrito from Taco Bell any day of the week. Well, here's to the chili, though. <laughs> How if about you? you? Like... Did you find it? Or did you? Uh, no, I mean, I mean, there's like one, like four hours away from. Oh, so, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Four hours. Uh, I thought it was two hours. So. I, <laughs> two hours too many. Um. Well, hey, thank you to the support of our of our charmers. If you'd like to be our biggest fan, just send a screen cap of giving us five stars on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. If you can do it there, anywhere. Um, and then you will be our biggest fan and you will join the list in our episode description. We got three people there now and it could be four. We're waiting on you. Need no money. Just need more visibility to be talking about stuff. Um, (laughs) yeah. Uh, so let's see. Um, recently Mm -hmm. I went to the survivor series. WWE Survivor Series, uh, war games in Survivor Series, conceptually pretty wild in practice, like one quarter the intensity of an AEW show. That's fine. Mm. We, um, we got back. I was, uh, I went to a taping of Wheel of Fortune, which (laughs) I cannot legally talk about aside from. You can view it on Thursday, January 26th. So if you want to see Ben in action on Wheel of Fortune, America's show, America's game, you can find me January 26th. Monty, do do you guys watch Wheel of Fortune in Canada? Yes, I watched it a lot when I was growing up with my grandparents. So, yeah. And I used to play the game. So when they call it America's game... Do you find that insulting or do you think they're referring to all of North America? Nah, it is what it is. <laughs> or do they or do they have like a little do they CG it where they replace America with Canada? I don't think so. I haven't seen recent episodes about it, but it'd be it'd be pretty difficult. Yeah. I doubt they would, but you know, so so we'll talk about that when it comes to January twenty sixth. Yeah. <laughs> I know I, had, I have a lot of questions for you, but I know you're not. You can't say anything, so we'll yes, save it. I legally time. cannot say anything. Yes, um, but I had a good time. Had a good time. Uh, moving on, 
Um, holidays are coming up. We have mm-hmm. our end of year musical review, but before that, we got to stop. We got to take stock and we got to count up to five stars under 50. That's what we're tackling today. Hello, everybody. It is Matt here to deliver you a field report about an amazing show I went to. I'm sure Ben and Monty have been riveting your attention with discussions of Necronomicon, a movie that I had hoped would be amazing, but put me to sleep. And I will not blame that on the exhaustion I was under. I will blame it on the film. But what I'm here to do today and why I'm here by myself is because I'm here to talk about another underground show I got to attend. This time, instead of lensing toward harsh noise and some black metal and some dungeon synth, this was a pure dungeon synth slash dark ambient experience. Um, And it was truly amazing. The crowd was big. The performances were enchanting. And I'm going to go through the show Uh, beat by beat and tell you about all of the performers that did an incredible job now this show was also in a basement but a different basement at empty bliss a incredible diy venue in the city i guess it would be referred to um that uh hosts other shows like this and they've hosted a few dungeon show dungeon synth shows before uh one i almost went to months ago um that i just missed out of happenstance but i'm glad i got to experience it it's a beautiful place to go to a show the basement is outstanding stairs are a bit steep but i feel like that's part of the ambiance uh, and the doorknob was broken which i loved and didn't notice until about three quarters of the way through the night and then it fucked with my head for the rest of the evening um, this show was hosted by the same person who hosted the previous show. Shout out to you. Um, you did a great job, great performances, a great lineup. Um, so let's dive into the show. So I showed up. It was chill. There were some people chilling outside and inside. Uh, some friendly and rem- uh, faces from last time at the other show and at from Gems Fest. Um, so it was nice to see all the people again. If you were there and you know who I am, what's up? It was nice seeing all of you again. Um, and if I met you for the first time, it was wonderful to meet you. I met an incredible group of people at the show. Um, it's very, it's very nice that this kind of underground community is full of such welcoming and kind people. I think I'm a pretty weird dude sometimes, and I never felt out of place amongst the people at this show, uh, which is a credit to all of them uh, and their ability to be genuine people. Now, the, uh, the evening started with the incredible electronic noise of Beast of Displacer Beast, which is arguably the coolest name on the, on the bill because Displacer Beast sounds so badass. Uh, they were, it was a quick set, but it was some very beautifully orchestrated and layered noise slash dungeon slash ambient. Um, it, it really kind of set the tone for the nice, for the night. It was nice and loud. Um, and it was a wonderful introduction and kind of set a sense of like foreboding for the event, which I found very um, appropriate for what was to come. Uh, following Displacer Beast was probably the most shocking thing I saw the entire night outside of some stuff that happened in the uh, main event, so to speak. Uh, but next up was Goblin Mage. Now, Goblin Mage, I had not had a chance to listen to prior to the show and had only seen their album artwork, which is a beautifully drawn piece of art, um, by Emily Cotton Cram. Uh, you can find her artwork online. She has some really cool stuff out on, 
like Twitter and Instagram and all over the internet. And she also has a uh, a webtoon called The Vampire Librarian, which you might know. Um, her artwork on the uh, album perfectly captures the beautiful orchestrated synthy noise that you get from Goblin Mage on album, which is the experience most of you will be able to have. Um, you can find their material over on uh, Bandcamp under Goblin Mage. But what I discovered from talking um, to the uh, to the gentleman behind uh, Goblin Mage was the fact that the performance we got was a very stripped down version compared to the album. Now, I, I listened to the album prior to recording this uh, podcast called Charm and Devilry, and it's true the the digital copy of it or the you know album release version has a lot more orchestration and additional ambiance set around the piano work that is being played but and i'm not saying necessarily that the live version is better but capturing such beautiful and raw straightforward piano playing or keyboard playing was some of the most incredible music i've heard live in a long time i was truly and genuinely captivated by the musical talent it was heartwarming it was joy filling it was such a vibe that I was completely overwhelmed. I think I said it at the show, uh, but it felt like seeing like Beethoven in the basement. I felt like I was seeing an artist or, or a composer of like your playing a first show. It truly felt like something special. The performance by Goblin Mage was outstanding with a incredible um like semi-edwardian victorian outfit with a leather plague mask on um and delivering not just a great musical performance but like a physical stage performance that accompanied the music um i cannot shout this out enough if i had listened to this album uh last year it would have been on my albums of the year list and uh this performance goes in my some of my top performances of the year uh truly a captivating experience um, following that amazing performance up was yet another amazing performance, uh, one from a band or a, a collective that I did get the chance to listen to prior, which is Faded Cloak. Um, Faded Cloak is comprised of, uh, Natch, Rose, and Winter. They performed a incredible, uh, like black ambient dungeon synth with a little bit of noise mixed in there from Natch was a really captivating performance um i highly recommend you go check all these performances out over on my youtube channel the dr gore wizard archives um and faded cloaks performance was especially really interesting the way they were all set up surrounding a singular table made this very like insulated uh very like harmonious uh ritualistic performance to it which i thought was really fascinating and captivating um their their music was like i i heard online so i kind of knew what i was getting into and i was pleasantly surprised how clean and well performed uh the set was i had seen some of the artists in this band perform before and so i knew their talent was going to be there and it was um one of the coolest moments of the set was prior to the sets well one of the coolest ones was prior to the set starting, um, the band members were setting up and we could see them fiddling with a microphone that was tucked up into the ceiling. And I was like, oh, I mean, I wonder when the hell that's going to come into play. And near the end of the set, after uh, pure instrumentals with noise and dungeon synth, it was very airy and flowing in a really beautiful way, but very dark and mysterious. 
uh, we get hit with functionally the harsh noise portion of the set um, where Notch, uh, not, not, yeah, um, grabs the microphone and delivered like a very intense vocal performance, um, captivating wails and shrieks, um, really just raw and brutal as the music kind of shifted into a noise um, passage that was uh, primarily played by Naj and Winter. It was really captivating. Um, genuinely a great set, a great follow-up to Goblin Mage, which kind of took the show in the next direction, which I wasn't sure um, it was going to go, which direction we were going to end up in. And it, it kind of it, it changed the mood enough that it felt super fresh and exciting um, and on its own was very cool. And that led us perfectly into another another experience to really captivate and kind of slow things down. Uh, which brought us to the almighty Texas-based dungeon synth, dark ambient, soundtrack-ish um, Titan Mort White. Uh, Mort White plays a very different sound than what we've heard so far tonight. This is very epic. This is you know borderline um, orchestra or soundtrack music in a sense, but it is dark and it is beautifully orchestrated. And it is crushing it it truly has the experience of making you feel like there is weight on your shoulders um these were got these were a group that made me incredibly excited um prior to the show because i did get to listen to them um on the way to the show and around during the day and it was really beautifully done music i don't always love the more dark ambient epic kind of stuff like this but something about the way that Mort White structures the sound and structured the live performance around it as well really captivated me. So I was excited. I got to talk um, to the individual behind Mort White. Super nice person. Great conversation. Shout out to you, M. Um, it was wonderful talking to you um, and wonderful hanging out at the show because it was, again, great community, great set of people. Um, Mort White played an epically epic set in the almost pitch black darkness of the basement most of the lights had been cut except for the red christmas lights around and it was beautiful um there's a great 14 minute video up on my youtube capturing a, a portion of his performance that i couldn't it, it, i would have had to film the whole thing to truly encapsulate what was performed but i think those 14 minutes give you a good idea um and if you want some music to chill out to or to feel afraid to or to play within your next like D&D horror setting. Um, check out Mort White's music. It is some of the best dark ambient, um, epic kind of instrumental music I've heard in a very long time, uh, especially Stygian facades. And it is partially because I love the expression Stygian because I read a lot of Lovecraft. Now, I thought, I didn't know the order the bands were going to play in and I expected Mort White to go last. Um, and and to my surprise at the time, Wayward Shrine went next. Now, Wayward Shrine was one of the bands I didn't have a chance to give a listen to beforehand. So I didn't really know what to expect, but I assumed Dungeon Synth. Um, all right. You know, because that was kind of the vibe of the show. And, ooh, oh, man, this was, this was something special in my mind. Um, I really value the ritual of music the the idea of a ritualistic performance accompanying music of 
ritual and craft and dedication to performance, not just playing. Um, and above all, above anybody, Wayward Shrine encompassed the performance of their music. They played their music beautifully. And the music is great. It's great dungeon synth. It was incredibly captivating, ooey spooky, um, very raw, very um, intentional, but very unique in of itself. But what captivated and what elevated this experience beyond that was the performance. I think I said it I said it when I talked about Satan's performance at Gems Fest and a lot of the other bands at Gems Fest as well. But the music is fantastic. But when but what makes to me personally music incredible, which makes a, a concert or a show or something truly incredible, is the performance. I think it's a true art and craft to create not only an atmosphere, a vibe, a beautiful world, but to create something that truly feels magical, truly feels like something special to a degree is occurring. And Wayward Shrine encapsulated that with a incredible, incredible performance. I I filmed some of it on my uh, for my Instagram and for the Dr. Gore Wizard archives and all the photos I took as well. But they can't capture the feeling that happened while you were in that room. The the this show started, this performance started um, with one of the members kneeling on the ground in front of the crowd um, in a black hood as if waiting to be prostrated or as, as if waiting to be given a task to, to commit their ritual um, before one of the other members approached from the back, dragging a sword across the concrete floor, uh, creating the sound like almost nothing else you can hear in this world outside of the sound of a sword dragging across the ground and it is oh it's a sound that fills me with, with shivers of joy um before knighting this uh before knighting this ritualist and beginning a ritual that was carried out by the individual um before they joined the the members on stage and began to play now as they played different small things would happen different movements before um, the ritual continued as members in engaged with the crowd and walked around and at the end, which is captured in slight and mild photographs. And I'm sure in the live video that was taken by others, but not in my video, uh, one of the members began a, a, a simulated ritualistic self mutilation. Um, I didn't film this. I took some photos, which I didn't upload to Instagram. I passed them along. Uh, to the band to do with what they will, but it was one of the most captivatingly intense moments I've experienced at a show. I mentioned last week that during London Dungeons, uh, or two weeks ago, during London Dungeon set when the knife was stabbed into the table, I felt a, a sliver of genuine fear for one of the first times at a show, primarily because I thought he was going to cut his cord in half and let, execute himself, but also because of the sheer intensity of it. And this was that to a mother degree at a much more personal and visceral um, performance. I genuinely thought I was going to see what uh, was being to some degree simulated, uh, which would have been intense uh, and incredible. And, I, and I, I love what we got because I didn't need to feel that kind of care and worry, but it captured this brutal honesty and rawness and expression to the to the performance and to the music itself 
it was incredible. I mean, I can't necessarily fully articulate it into words, and I don't think you could ever even experience it from the videos I captured. But this is the type of music and experience that I wanted to capture and document and cultivate um, ever since I started listening to music and going to concerts. Um, this whole night was incredible. It came at a perfect time for me. Um, it was a very emotional time. So the, the music really captivated exactly what I had hoped would happen. And it did. It was beautiful. It was dark. It was scary. It was joyous. Uh, it was full of friendship. It was full of great times. And I sincerely, um, implore everybody who lives in the Chicagoland area or who is a fan of underground experimental ambient dungeon synth black metal and all of these other genres to look out for shows like this because they are something truly special that can't be missed um I would implore you if you're listening out there to go and check out all of the artists I just spoke about um Displacer Beast Goblin Mage uh, Faded Cloak, Mort White, and Wayward Shrine. Uh, most of them are on Instagram or all of them are on Bandcamp is the fastest way to find them. And if you want to find their other links, you can find them there. Uh, I posted most of them in the Instagram post I made right after the show. Uh, I got the Displacer Beast um, link wrong, but the band members jumped in and corrected it. So if you want to listen to that, go make sure you click on the correct link or copy and paste the correct link because Instagram doesn't let you click on links. And uh, that is it for our special, my special report from the field. This is Dr. Gar Wizard signing out. Please enjoy the rest of the episode and please support underground music. Monty and I watched a movie that Matt was also supposed to watch, but he slept through it. And, no, 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 uh, no. He, he made it through, but near the end he passed out. Which is disappointing, because this is a film that he wanted us to watch with him, right? So. H.P. Lovecraft's Necronomicon <laughs> to Hell and Back, starring David <laughs> Warner, Belinda Bauer, and Bruce Pain. Don't forget Jeffrey Combs, the reanimator himself. Oh wow, yeah, that was Jeffrey Combs, wasn't it? Yeah, I knew that was him, but he had a lot of prosthetics on himself. So, okay, um, we're gonna talk about this movie now. Yeah, it is an anthology <laughs> movie. Yeah, <laughs> it came out originally in 1993 a French-American anthology horror film that has essentially four short stories in it. Uh, so three individual short stories and then one large-scale wraparound. Yeah. Uh, it was directed by Brian Usna, Christophe Gunn, and Shusuke Kaneko? Kaneko. Kaneko. Yeah. <clears throat> um... It has an ensemble cast, uh, as you could probably guess, and uh, it's pretty bad. Pretty yeah. bad. Uh, 
Like, how Man. bad would you say bad? Like, would you say it's at least it's somewhat enjoyable, or is it like total? So, like, crap? most of the time when we watch a five stars under fifty movie, yeah. it's either all pretty good or all pretty bad. This was like a weird reverse five mm-hmm. stars under fifty, where the production value was fine. Yeah. And the practicals were probably the best practical effects I've seen in Agreed. proportion to a Agreed. film's budget. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. all the practicals in this film were all-star quality. Uh, and apparently uh, the, sp- the animatronic effects were supervised by Tom Savini's crew, which oh. explains a lot. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, the writing and the editing it's how it, yeah how it's shot was yeah like i, I think I mean, it was telling you like it felt like the producers wanted it to be shot this certain way and it just carried over the three storms yeah i don't even think <clears throat> it was a directing issue because no, I, 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 I think the acting was fine i feel like it was just the writing and the editing that completely betrayed this movie and a lot of it, I think, was because I don't know if <laughs> I I don't know if these shorts were meant to be like pieced together from the beginning or if it was a separate thing. Because what really killed this movie for me mm-hmm. is that none of the stories were particularly good, but all of them felt the same. And yeah, and like you, you're you're talking about how they shot it, right? It's... Well, not just how they shot it, but even the <clears throat> story portion of a lot of them, mm-hmm. like they were very similar with each other. Uh, I have to admit, I did like the second story, the code, like C O L D code, the one with the scientist that needed bone marrow to live. Yeah, I I like that one, but the other two. So, honestly, so let, I didn't really care. Well, so let's go happen. through these one at a time. Uh, yeah, the yeah. big wraparound story uh, is uh, a story of how H.P. Lovecraft comes to a monastery, and it's where the Necronomicon is being held. Mm-hmm. He sneaks into the room where the Necronomicon is locked. Is he gets locked in, and then he starts reading the the stories one by one and he gets yes. through three of them. That's the movie. And overall, I would say that the wraparound is pretty strong. Acting's fine. Presentation's yeah. fine. No complaints there. Um, our, our first short story is the drowned. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a story about, it's essentially pet cemetery. Uh, yeah, you know, more or less uh, this dude's uh, wife and son die and he uses the Necronomicon to try and uh, bring them, bring back. them back to yeah. life they're tentacle monsters now you know Cthulhu adjacent um, <laughs> yeah. and very hentai <laughs> yeah yeah very very hentai um, so this is and and this was actually very confusing to me too. Yeah. So yeah. so this is the story I I've I've already botched this whole thing because mm-hmm. that story I just told you was a story 
within the short within story that, yes. yeah. of a guy who inherited the building that the family used to live in and he was thinking of using the Necronomicon but when he does it and his girlfriend turns into a tentacle monster he's able to escape yes. so I guess yeah. it's like he learned his lesson even though he still he still did it he still tried it so he yeah. really shouldn't have but the story um, within the story was interesting. Was Yeah, the story within the story was interesting. But the story outside of the story was kind of <laughs> unnecessary. I don't know why it was there. Because it was just like, let's do the same thing, but he lives this time. You it, know? Was, it was really Inception type. But like, yeah, they, just, but like, they went in from the main story of H.P. Lovecraft reading it. Then it's, you know, the, how the story starts. It's like, you got this... I think he was a magician that wanted to buy this house and, you know, turn it into something. But I think he was there looking for the Necronomicon. And then when he opened up the Necronomicon, oh no, the lady that was selling them house told them the story. And then it goes into another layer of the story. And so like, it's just like, I don't know why though. Like yeah, why yeah. was there this extra bit? Cause like the one short story within the short story within the movie that has the short <clears throat> story wraparound, like yeah. the, the deepest nugget in there. <laughs> that's good. That's yeah. fine on its own, but yeah. we know that it had to have been made together cause they have the same Necronomicon book, right? Yes. Yeah. Across all three of these short stories <laughs> within each other. So I like, like how how when in the 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 story with the father wanting to revive his dead wife and and kid, I like how you pointed out like when he opened up the book, you think it's like oh we're gonna go into another deeper dive. Yeah, I was hoping that we were going to go one story deeper. We didn't yeah. get that. Yeah. Instead, we just got the same thing twice. I yeah. also noticed that, and it was early on in this film where I noticed that. Mm-hmm. The pacing of this short story matched the pacing of the wraparound. And by that, mm. I mean lots of shots with people walking in hallways trying to build dramatic tension. But here's oh a newsflash. If you're walking through a hallway for 90 fucking minutes, <laughs> eventually it's not going to work anymore. And it's not going to work pretty fucking fast when everything's lit the same. There's no like... There's no like false falsies or anything like God, it drags. Yeah. Like, and this then is... it's like every corner we turn in every story, there's always got to be a hallway for some yeah. freaking reason. Th- this is, and, and so Monty, I know this will be lost on you, but mm-hmm. Matt's not here this week, so he can't chastise me for talking about wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. There's, in wrestling, there's oh, there's been for the past sixty years this this generational issue between the old generation and the new generation, where the old generation says the new generation guys are just destroying their bodies and flying off the top rope and stuff. When when you know we didn't need to do that back in our day. Yeah, back in our day, we could just have one hold and keep it the whole match, and like that's from watching all this old wrestling, I've learned that's true, but But. like, you still need to be good at doing that one hold. This movie is like, Oh, you don't need to have any jump scares. You just got to have a lot of tension. It's like, well, yeah, it's the same fucking tension. (laughs) 
Like, you can't have a match with a headlock if it lasts two hours. You know, it's yeah, the same yeah. thing with this movie. Oh, my God. I was so <laughs> sick of hallways. And, and, it, and it gets worse when we get to the, the cold. The cold? Oh, okay. You haven't, you're getting to the third one. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. The, and the cold probably is the best out short of the three. Out yeah. of the three. It, it, at least it had a point. It had a story. It was yeah, tell, also the same same format. Like Yeah, tell tell us about the cold. It, so it's about this journalist that goes to this house to interview this blind lady and he enters the house and he realizes how cold the house is. Yet, but he still stays to, to, to interview her. And then, like the first story, she tells a story. So now you're yes, going into another story. story. Another story within the story where she talks about how she rented the she she rented rents a room in this house and her roommate is a mad scientist and she, the reason why she's out there is because she has an abusive father a stepfather that sexually harasses her and who knows what happened they never really dove too deep into it and anyways long story short is he she falls in love with this mad scientist that saved her from her abusive Okay, you know what? Actually, I lied. This one's worse than the first one because really, of this one. I like this one. It I... had a little bit of romance. It had a little depth to it. Dude um, was like forty years older than her. Hey, man, we're not judging, right? Well, like I am because well, because because there could have been, and obviously, like this came out in nineteen ninety three, right? We're not going to get a story about like. <laughs> a woman who gets stuck in abusive relationships and mm-hmm. like manages to work through that. But like indirectly, like the point of the short is that this woman keeps putting herself in toxic, abusive relationships. And so she, and so <laughs> the new abusive boyfriend murders the old one. She just happens to be okay with that. But like, we but don't, he wasn't really a, was he abusing her? Though? He was murdering about the people. But it wasn't abusing her. He was. I mean, he was abusing people. her, but like it's yeah. the, it's the general <laughs> conceit, you know. And so like, <laughs> and so like, there's this weird thing where like, you could have had an interesting story of like. Yeah, he's doing the spinal fluid and shit, but, like, she's also in another abusive relationship. You know, she's, like, in deeper now, right? I guess. I think think there'd be something cool about that, but there wasn't. Instead, it's just, like, I I guess she's horny for this guy now, even though... (laughs) He's he's melting all the time. Yeah, he's melting. (laughs) He's melting and he's like weird and old. It's like, yeah. it's like, it's like she's trying to have sex with Bert from Return of the Living Dead. Like what? Um, and so it's, I, okay. The reason why is I I think that it adds another element to it, which is the it's kind of a a it's shot like a romance style film, but uh, with a bit of horror into it. So it's very. I wouldn't say 
Lovecraftian, but I would say it's kind of more like it enters the realm of kind of like Edgar Allan Poe ish. That's the feeling I got out sure. of the story. Um, but yeah, at the same time, it's it was predictable. We knew where it was going, and damn it, I can't believe they still use the long hallway shots in a freaking house. Still, right? <laughs> still long hallway shots. Yeah, I mean, I mean, brutal. So the two of them have sex. But yeah. here's what the Wikipedia says. <clears throat> Dr. <throat> Madden reveals his copy of the Necronomicon to Emily and explains to her how he learned of its information on sustaining life. In the greenhouse, Dr. Madden proves this by injecting a wilted rose with a compound to revive it, claiming that as long as it is kept out of the sun, it will never die. Yeah. The two have sex. <laughs> And, like, that's pretty much how it feels. And, like, it's we very, watched it together. Uh, we were like, what the fuck? <laughs> it was very uh, Universal Soldier. I was thinking about when when he, they tried to kept, keep the, keep him cold. But what does yeah. that have to do with the bone marrow? Like, that does not make any sense. It was a spinal sense. fluid, mis- wasn't it? Uh, I think yeah, it was a spinal, spinal fluid. fluid or, or, like, something. I mean, like, even then, it, it doesn't matter. It still doesn't really make sense. Yeah, it this doesn't make sense. This is the early 90s, yeah. and yeah. science didn't exist then, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, we get through all of this. Uh, the ex-lover yeah. of, uh, of the doctor is real pissed off, but Dr. Madden dies in a fire um melted fell apart and Uh, then we we come back ashore yeah to to the past within the first Mm -hmm. um and it's revealed that the woman that's being interviewed yes is emily oh my god with her still unborn baby she's been cursed oh my god (laughs) oh yeah that's why she was pregnant (laughs) yeah still it gets more wackier and 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 she needs the fluid that's right Uh, because she was given the 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 disease or whatever from the doctor Uh, sloppy yeah i will call it sloppily written if not bad (laughs) Well, uh, so, so, yeah i'll give it like a i'll give it like a three 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 out of five okay okay fair enough <laughs> like, I, I i i you know me we were watching it together so i was me i was we were almost on the same wavelength except unfortunately matt couldn't be here to defend it but <laughs> i'm sure matt, matt could have defended this much <laughs> yeah not with us. but um Moving the, on to the, the next one. The third and last oh, full oh. short. Oh my god, I hated like, this one. It, it brings down the whole rest of the movie. Yeah. By a lot. Because like the mm-hmm. first two the first two and the wraparound are solid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I'm not gonna remember them, but it's whatever. But whispers, the third short here is is probably one of the most disastrous third acts i've ever seen in a movie yes like it's like it's like uh last jedi level (laughs) of like what the fuck's happening here like yeah whispers is the equivalent of when they go to the casino planet and come back and have done nothing for half the movie yeah um that's whispers uh where two police officers are uh 
are... There was a lot going on. Yeah, they were chasing down the so-called serial killer. This yeah, perk. the butcher. Yes. Not the and, blade, the butcher. And at the same time, they were having relationship issues in the car. Yeah, <laughs> so... Was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, so they're arguing. Something gets knocked into the road in mm. front of them. They yeah. round the corner... She turns to face, and this is how you know the editing's bad. Yeah, yeah. She, and they stop arguing. Yeah, she, the car t- makes the corner. She makes eye contact with the object in the road. Pauses, goes, "Oh no, look out!" Mm-hmm. And then the car flips. Yeah, it's like it's it's like you know were were you operating the 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 flattening device in austin powers i I mean no just like move just move out of the way so um obviously uh sarah's partner paul has been dragged away by some unseen person and sarah goes to chase after him Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um then she goes nuts, screaming out of him, and kind of goes ballistic. It's just while make while any she's sense. while she's walking through a bunch of hallways. Yes, course, hallways uh, again. Yeah, she she <laughs> is stopped by the Benedicts, uh, <laughs> yeah. two elderly people, um, who try to help her. Yeah, yeah. Um. These people claim that the butcher is from another dimension. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as Sarah is makes it? her way down into a true Lovecraftian cavern, uh, she gets swerved by the Benedicts. At this point, and... I think what you, your comment made me laugh so hard. Was, hey, guys, guess what? Tunnels. You know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> And there were tunnels. Yes. Oh boy, were there More tunnels. <laughs> so it, oh. it turns out that in this cave, uh, it's like a weird flesh cave. There's a bunch of like alien-sized bats, bats that, yeah. are, that are eating out the, uh, the, the body race. of her partner yeah. and, and all the other people around. Uh, Sarah has this weird hallucination where she wakes up in a hospital and her parents who are the Benedicts are there and they're caring yeah. for her. But before long, she's like, Oh my God, that was a I'm horrible still nightmare. in this <laughs> hole with all these tunnels around me. Uh, and a bunch of her limbs have been cut off. Yeah. Um, it's like, it felt, it felt like when they're making the movie, it's like, Oh, we need to add more gore to it a senseless gore to it to carry the story through and i'm just like my god this is like such a drag uh and sarah our second pregnant woman uh (laughs) not to give birth in this movie Mm -hmm. uh her her apparently not dead pregnant baby is now inside a giant bat thing oh right (laughs) yeah the bat's carrying her baby and i still don't understand how that works the story doesn't make any sense yeah and then the the end of this one for some reason this is the one short that doesn't have a story within a story uh do you remember how do you remember how the short story ends 
the short story for this one, the third one? Yeah, yeah. Wasn't it her waking up from the hospital? I think they no, were trying to but, do some no, crazy shit. But remember then, like, she's still there, and then the bats are yeah. going to her? But do you remember yeah. what the actual, like, end end of it is? Honestly, I just... It was ridiculously that See, I may the have... The end of the story is she's about to be eaten alive by the giant bats... The Benedicts try to leave, and the man says, oh, well, wait, I can't find my keys, because she has the keys, the woman who's getting eaten. And that's Wait, did is. I miss that part? I didn't... You, you just said it as, like, one innocuous line of dialogue, but that just happened to be how it ended. And the, she, the cop had the keys? Yeah, but, like, not in a way where it's like, oh, they're all screwed now. He was just like, oh, hey, where are my keys? Where are my and keys? And it showed them in her hand, and that was it. I was like, what the fuck? Oh. Was the keys important? I mean, it ended, so I guess not. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, and yeah. And then uh, the wraparound ends with this, the, the, the librarian... Asking Lovecraft, give me the keys. And Lovecraft says, oops, I dropped it into the sewer. Uh, yeah, it was kind of weird. And then the, okay. the, the flying <laughs> bat chews up the librarian. And, no, no, no. The librarian squeezes through the bar. The librarian. <laughs> so because he doesn't put the Necronomicon back, yeah, devil box, everything from the book starts coming to life. And so the librarian squeezes his head through these (laughs) metal bars. It's an amazing effect. He gets through, and then he starts, like, fighting H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. It was so, a very action sequence fight, eh? <laughs> yeah, so Lovecraft defeats the monster in the water. The, yeah. He disposes of the librarian monk. <laughs> and as he leaves, one of the monks yells at him that, that he will pay for his misdeeds. Yes. Uh, and Lovecraft does not, because the movie ends. Yeah, so. and, the, and the, the cliche ending of the taxi driver going... Hey, uh, did you get what you were looking for? <laughs> and he looks right. into the camera and goes, Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> oh, I mean, man. that's just uh, all in all. I agree with you. The, the practical effects was amazing. Amazing. I, I missed that. Kind the of practical stuff. effects, like, really got done dirty in yes. comparison to the rest of the movie. Like the movie had a four million dollar budget and I'm guessing that like, Oh really? Point... It had a four million dollar budget. That's what Wiki Holy says. Shit. I don't know how true that is, but it <laughs> makes me wonder. It looks it felt like it was shot for TV. Is it, it was that that type yeah. of quality, you know? I mean Well Bruce Payne has had a <laughs> hell of an acting career. Bruce Payne? He plays yeah. the yeah. He was uh, the scientist. He was, he was he was in the movie. Uh, it's an ensemble cast, so I don't see. Let me see here. He plays. Oh, he's uh, the, he's, he's the warlock. He's, 
Yes, he's the magician yeah, that in yeah, the first he's story. He's in the drowned. Uh, yes. Let's see what Edward Payne's done. Uh, let's see. He was big in the nineties. Looks like. It looks like. Okay, so he was an unnamed border guard in '83. Mm-hmm. In '85, he was cast as a committed butch snooker manager known as the one in billy the kid in the green bay's vampire (laughs) wow yep uh he was a pompous and pathetic racist in the musical (laughs) absolute beginners oh my god Uh, one reviewer said that he was quote the only actor to walk off absolute beginners with his reputation not only intact but enhanced (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness i just remember him being in the warlock series and i loaned that was bad jeez it seems like he did a lot of genre movies not even that um so in in the 80s he was considered like an up-and-coming british actor Mm-hmm. Like alongside Colin Firth, Tim Roth, Gary Oldman. Wow. Um, he was, Warner Brothers considered him like Bruce Payne as Bruce Wayne for one of the Tim Burton Batman films, but ultimately Michael Keaton got the role. Yeah. Um. He appeared as Dr. Burton in the drama in the drama Silence Like Glass that was nominated at the German Film Awards for outstanding feature film. Let's see. Has uh, he done anything recent? It doesn't look like it. So it looks like after he didn't get Batman his career kind of stalled. Pretty um, much. He I remember him been now, Wesley Snipes would be Passenger 57. He played yeah, the it seems like that's film. where he peaked, was in 92. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was big in the 90s. So Back in <laughs> the 90s. He was in Highlander Endgame. Oh, yeah. 2000. Yeah. The third sequel. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just never got into the Highlanders. But yeah. That's another episode we can talk about, but. I feel like that's kind of I feel like Highlanders I I feel like that's a movie of its time. I don't know if you can really go back to making Highlander good. Like I it's really like doing a remake. So it's like it's like Sonic the Hedgehog, you know? Yeah. Although I will say Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie is shockingly good. No, like, I like the movies, yeah. Since yeah. they they, they read they redid the uh whatchamacallit? They, they got rid of scary Sonic. Okay. Ugly they, Sonic? Ugly Sonic, yeah. Yeah, Alvin and the Chip... Or not Alvin and... Uh, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. That was is good. My, is my favorite Sonic movie. <laughs> um, yeah, he makes a cameo. <laughs> yeah, he makes... That's more than a cameo. <laughs> but, um, yeah, overall, how would you rate this Necron... HP so, Lovecraft? You know, normally I hate Matt's charm scale and regular scale, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for his sake and his absence, I'll rate it today. Um, I will give this movie three out of four charms. And wow. that I feel like really? it was really trying. 
Okay. I feel like the special effects were great. I give it one and a half out of five stars. <laughs> I did not enjoy watching it. I was bored. I'll give it two. I'll give it two out of five. Because, okay, like, I, okay. I wasn't offended by it, but I was thoroughly bored. I, thoroughly bored. I agree with you. I, there's a lot of WTF moments, a lot of things that didn't make sense, a lot of unnecessary storytelling. Uh, is a way I would put it. Um, but I, I love the special effects. I love practical effects. So it was good to watch something like this where it's very, to see an art that's very rarely used this day and age. Yeah. So out of charms, I'm going to have to say, I'm going to give this a two out of four charms. That's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. And. <laughs> <laughs> out of five, I think I'm not as merciful as you. Give it, you know what? You know what? You know what? It, it, you're right. You're right. I'll give it two because the special effects department deserved deserved it. And the two stars I mean, I, like, out of five I give is all for the special effects department. And the acting Nothing was else. good. Yeah. Like, I, really, it just came down to the editing and the writing. I feel like killed this movie. Yeah. I mean, shot it dead and kept fucking shooting. <laughs> uh, like, it was put up in a fucking firing line, but they all and went one at burn, a time. And then shot again. <laughs> God. And then it went through a hallway. Yeah, and then it went through another hallway. And another hallway <laughs> it's just and another. like, I, yeah, well. A, a movie has rarely felt this much like a chore, I will say. It's, yeah, you know what, at least we got it out of the way. Matt really wanted to watch this film, so I gave him the benefit of the doubt. Bloody Disgusting mentioned that it's one of those rare gems. So I I, I still to this day remember watch, seeing the cover art of this at my local Blockbuster when I was growing up in the 90s. It didn't catch my attention, but now I can say I finally... The child inside me finally picked it up and watched it. So, yeah, it's um, there's probably a good, a good reason. There's probably a good reason why I didn't want rent yeah. rented yeah. back then. So, well, <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's that sums it up, I think, for me about this film. So. You know, I gotta say, <laughs> after four shorts. It really wasn't the charm for these guys. It was not. <laughs> but maybe for somebody else, the fourth times the charm. Good night and good morning. Follow us on Instagram and talk to y'all later. <laughs> <laughs>